Let's turn to Psalm 13, if we would. Psalm 13. I love, I love, I love, I love the Psalms. The Psalms are really, the, someone said this, the songs of the heart. Songs of the heart. And, and uh, when you read them, you know, you can relate to so many different things, so many, so many things that are happening in our lives. That's why if you don't, if you're going through a hard time and you don't know where to turn, just open to the Psalms. Find something in the Psalms to read, to study, to, to look at. And, and, I, and I will guarantee you. Now, there, there are certain things. I read a psalm today, and David was talking about how he was living a blameless life. And I'm going like, wow, I don't quite get that. I'm going to I'm gonna have to study that one and find out like, what was going on that he could say those things. But, but this psalm here, Psalm 13, we see it's a whole different story. It's a radical story. And... Uh, <clears throat> so the, the, name of the, the name of the psalm, the name of this message is how long? And I'm wondering, do any of you ever ask that question, how long? Any of you ever say, how long? You know, there's so many things, there's so many things in life that we just want to know, how long do I have to, how long do I have to put up with, how long do I have to go through, how long until I get, how long until I'm with, you know, all these things that we, we want to know about. You know, I have to put up with this job. How long do I have to put up with this job? Some of you are saying that, like, tomorrow morning, right? No, it's a holiday. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See? How long do I got to put up with this illness? How long do I got to put up with this car? How long do I got to put up with this kid? How long do I got to put up with this spouse? No, no, you never say that. Definitely not. Definitely not. You know, do I got to, how long, do I got to put up with this? Do I got to go through this until Jesus comes back? Is that, is, that, is this like the rest of my life that I got to deal with this? And, and that's just kind of like some things in life are like that. I have to say, and I, I'm not going to just sugarcoat this and say, yeah, it's going to be better tomorrow. It's going to be better next week and, and it's all going to be okay. Well, some things it's not going to all be okay until you get to be with him, until you see him face to face. Now, but there are a lot of things, though, that he works out and that, and that, he, that he gives us the peace inside to kind of like deal with. He may not change the circumstances, but guess what he will change? Huh? Me. You. He may not, let me say it again, he may not change the circumstances, but there is something that he certainly will change, and that's you and me. He'll change me. You say, well, man, I don't need to change. That's the problem. <laughs> you do. I do. He's got it all together. We're the ones that have a problem. So Psalm 13, Psalm 13 is a, a psalm of David, and, and it's called the How Long Psalm for obvious reasons. Four times we hear this. But, but Spurgeon also called it the howling song, the howling, because, of, because that's what we do. How long? It just turns into this howling. We don't really know what's going on. We don't know what was going on in David's life when, it was, when this was written. Of course, uh, he sat down and wrote these words. There were things that were going on at the time. It was a, a real guy and a real situation, a real uh, circumstances surrounding his life. 
just like you and me. We're real people. We have stuff going on. We don't really know. Maybe some think he was being pursued by Saul. But I think because we don't know, we can say, you know what? It opens it up to me. It opens it up to my situation because it's not only for those people who are being pursued, pursued by somebody. It's, it's kind of open to all situations. God, where are you? You know, I can't take much more of this. How long is this going to happen? So the first part, the, the psalm is really in three parts. It's a short psalm, six verses. And uh, it's really in, in three parts. And the first part is despair. Y'all, y'all know what despair is? What is it? No hope. No hope. Hopeless is a good way to describe it. You get to this place where it just it's dark, right? It's despair. You're in despair. And in this particular situation, these verses... Well, let's go ahead and read the psalm first before we start to break it down. Uh, verse 1, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Verse 3, part 2, Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. And verse 5 and 6, But... I trust in your unfailing love, and my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. He starts off with despair in the first uh, two verses, and, and really four times he says it over. And when, some, when, when somebody in the Bible says something over and over, we need to pay attention because it's being repeated for what? For emphasis, and, and that it's something that's real. And, and I, and I kind of get that because it... it it resonates within me, like, how long have I got to go through this? And he gives us four different things that, he, that he's talking about. How long, how long, how long, how long? And speaking of kind of the length of our trials. You know, if we had a trial for like five minutes, hey, that's cool, I can deal with that. How many of your trials last five minutes, by the way? No. Nobody? I mean, there are some trials in life, but if they last five minutes, they're probably not that big of a deal. You're going to go, oh, you broke a string, and oh, well, I'm just going to move on. You know, Five minutes later, change the string and go on, right? But the trials of life and some of the things that he's describing here, they were obviously longer than five minutes, right? And the trials that we face when we find ourselves in this place of despair, it's like, how long? How long? One commentator said that literally it means, until when? Until when? When is this going to end? Until when? How long do I have to go through this? Until when are you going to make this better? Are you going to put this together? Are you going to straighten things out for me here? I want to break in for a second here and, and... Say this, though, that there are times that you can find in Scripture, if you do a word search in your, in your smartphone or your computer for the words, how long, a lot of times it's, it's us saying that to the Lord, but 
But there are times when God says it to us. Right? God asks people, how long? Like when Jesus said, how long must I put up with you? You remember that? So God kind of goes through it too, right? How long must I, Jesus said, how long must I put up with you people? Like, when are you going to get it? But he's God and we're not. So look at the kinds of things that he says here, that he talks about here. Verse 1, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Do you ever think God's forgotten you? Like, where are you, God? You, are you, do you see what's going on here? Have you forgotten about what's going on in my life? Like, hello, I'm here. Have you, do you ever get that way? I know I do when it feels like he's not there. Like, maybe he's got too busy doing something else with somebody else. And he's not really there for me. But look at that word forever. You know, these are the kinds of words that we call hyperbole. Do you know what hyperbole is? Extravagant exaggeration. Will you forget me forever? You know, that, those are good words to use when you're arguing with your spouse or your friend. You know, you never. Are you going to do that forever? Like how... You know, you put the toilet paper roll on wrong. You're going to do that forever? I keep telling that's not the right way. Like, but we use those kinds of words because that's who we are. We, like, we go to those places where everything is magnified, multiplied by like 100. Right? And we're saying that, David's saying that to who? The God of creation who lives in eternity. Like, he's, he likes, I think he probably laughs when we say stupid things. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Do you think, Jim? At least he chuckles like, will you forget me forever? Like, you don't even know what forever is, person. And you're asking me that? Well, first of all, the fact of the matter is, is that he is not able to forget us, first of all. And second of all, uh, you know, he never will. So for sure you can say forever doesn't even apply to this particular thought that we have. Peter's talked to, Peter talked about, you know, that he said that, you know, that your trials, he said, would last for a little while. And I want to say to you, even if there are a trial that, that goes through this life and the, the length of this life, it's still only a little while compared to eternity. It's only a little while. But thank God that a lot of the trials we face, you know, they're, they're going to be over. They're going to, you know, they're going to resolve somehow, some way they're going to change. Or God is going to change us to be able to deal with it some way, somehow. There's one thing that God does forget, though. What is it? Our sins. He puts them in the... We talked about that. He puts them in the sea of forgetfulness, buries them in the very depths of the ocean, and he doesn't bring them back up. If anybody forgets anything, if anybody forgets anybody, it's you and I that forget him. We go about our business and we forget all about him. So who, who again gets twisted up? Is it him or is it us? So number one, he says that you know, will you forget me forever? Number two, he said, how long will you hide your face from me? You know, it's like, it's like we think God is playing some kind of, of hide and seek. 
But does he do that? No, he doesn't do that. But we think that if I could just see your face, God, and, and, and the truth is one day we will. We're going to see his face. But we think if I could just see your face now, maybe. But the truth of the matter is, is we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We're not going to see his face, but we, 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 we trust that he's there with us. How about the third one? And this one, uh, I don't know about you, but I, uh, I can really relate to this too. The third one, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? I don't know about you, but I think in our society, in our day, and just the stuff we face in this life, this is, I can relate to this. This is like a wrestling match within your own head. Any of you know what I'm saying? Some of you might be having that right now. Just going, I got to get out of here. That guy's making me crazy. How long do I got to put up with him? And, and you're having this wrestling match like within your own head. But seriously, this is real. I'm not, I, I, you know, I want to make, I want to make light of it in one sense, but I don't want to make light of it in the other sense because I, you know, I can, I can relate to this. The wrestling match within your own head and the sorrow that you face. What, what, what do we call this? What do we call that sorrow? Anybody? Depression. Thank you, Jay. We call it depression, right? Any of you know what that's like? You know, I hear about these people that say, you know, or, or people say of these other people, he never gets depressed, she never gets depressed, you know, but I, and I can't quite relate to those people. Like, who are you? This wrestling match. Depressed. Somebody said this, depression means that we feel heavy inside because we are very, very sad. We would like to die. You can read about people in the Bible, and David, I think, is opening his heart to us here to see that this guy, if, if he was alive today, they would say, you are depressed, and we got to do something with you. Je uh, you know, the prophet Elijah, you can read his story, like the guy got wicked depressed. People throughout the, the scripture, if the honesty of the Bible that tells us they went through this. You know, it's something we can talk about. We can, we can share with each other. And I think that, that really, really helps that we can honestly talk about that. Some, some of us say, I would never tell anybody that I am like that, that I'm having these, these crazy thoughts and i got to deal with this stuff and, and it's all going on inside of me. You know, it, it happens to us, and it happens for lots of different reasons. One, one uh, pastor talks about uh, different reasons that these things kind of happen, uh, and I'll just read them quickly. Number one is temperament, just kind of the way we are, who we are, you know, how God has put us together, maybe kind of, you know, leads us in that direction a little more easily than somebody else, perhaps. How about illness? Sometimes illness can send you into these kinds of things. Exhaustion. When you get really tired, any, any of you like that? I know when I get tired, I'm like, I'm just like so open to get depressed when I get tired. How about after a high point? You've been up on the mountain and this victory that you had and, and then 
what happens after that. You can't stay up there, and then you come crashing down. That's a reality, and sometimes it's just attack from the enemy. Just the enemy is like throwing stuff at you, like bombarding you. It's reality, folks. David felt it. You and I feel it. Moses said, he said this, the length of our days is 70 years or 80, if we have the strength, yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. He says, you know, 70, 80 years, but, you know, the, the whole of this time there could be trouble and sorrow in it. But even he acknowledges, it says, they quickly pass and we fly away. So it's not forever. But there is something about this life that is, is, that is it's part of life. Thankfully, David doesn't end the psalm here because we could just say, okay, let's just all get down and just go home. It's his life. This is who we are. It's what I got to be and do and That would be depressing. Well, Pastor really depressed me today. What a great depressing message that was. How long, the fourth one there in the last part of verse 2, how long will my enemy triumph over me? When it feels like the enemy is winning, when it feels like the enemy is winning, I was talking with Kelly when he got here. And he says, it's a battle. It's a spiritual battle that we are in, that we face. It's, it's the reality. So that's part one, despair. But thankfully, it doesn't stop there, right? And it goes to the next section there, verses three and four, which is prayer. If you're facing any of these things, the first thing to do is pray. Often, it's the last thing we do. We go here, we go there, we try to find help, we try to get answers from every possible you know, person or, or whatever. We need to go to God first. That's what, that's what David does here in part two. Verse three says, Look on me and answer, O Lord, my God. Look. It's calling out to God. God, look at me. Answer me. I'm calling out to you. Look at me. I need to hear from you. And I am a firm believer that, that this is the kind of prayer, the humble prayer where we humble ourselves and get down before God and we cry out to him that he hears those prayers. You know, I don't just say that because, you know, I read it in some book somewhere. Well, this is what the pastor should say. I'm telling you that by personal experience. And I, you know, I just celebrated uh, two days ago 41 years of being a believer in Jesus Christ, my spiritual birthday. And, and you know what? I believe it just as much today as I, as I ha- did then, and that when you cry out to God, that He will hear you. Look on me and answer, that He does answer our prayers. He will answer your prayers if you cry out to Him. I, I, I can say that unequivocally. Now, do I, can I tell you exactly how he's going to do that or when he's going to do that? Is it always instantaneous? Like you pray right now, the answer is boom, right there, right then? Usually not, I have to say. But I can tell you this with certainty that the answer will, will be there and the answer will, will come. 
Look what he says there, give light to my eyes. Or I will sleep in death. Give light to my eyes or I'll sleep in death. He's kind of referring back to the, the stuff that we mentioned in the first two verses of the despair. It's like dark. Give light. I need light in my eye. I can't see. It's so dark. I can't see. It's a dark place. In this wrestling, it's so dark in here. And that's part of what despair is. It's this darkness that comes upon us. You know what they say. It's wicked dark down here. But he says, if you don't bring some light, I'm, I'm going to sleep in death. In other words, I'm just going to die. I'm just going to shrivel up and die. And, and, and as that quote I gave you, sometimes we, that's what we want. I wish I could just die and get this over with because I can't take this anymore. But again, to cry out to him. And be honest about how you feel. See, you can be sort of spiritual and pray in a spiritual way, but, but does God see through all that anyways? He kind of knows, not kind of. He does know exactly who we are and what we, what we have inside of us. He knows exactly what you're thinking, what you're feeling. So for you to just make it up and try to be all spiritual, Oh, thou Lord, what a beautiful day it is. He's going like, would you drop that nonsense and get real? Because I'm here. Verse 4, my enemy will say, I have overcome him. My foes will rejoice when I fall. Again, it's a battle. It's a battle. He's worrying. He's worrying that the enemy is going to look at what's going on. And sometimes we think that and we say, we say to ourselves, you know, the, the enemy is like having a heyday here with me. And he's just kind of laughing at me. God, can you, you, need to, you need to help me here for the sake of your name, for the sake of who you are. So David, he's in despair. And then what does he do? He prays. He prays. Verse, verses 5 and 6, part 3. He seems to turn a corner here. When I read this, you read it, and then you get to verses 5 and 6. It seems like there, there's a change that takes place. There's a corner. He kind of goes around the bend and gets to a different place in who he is. And what I see that, let's read those verses again. But... I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. The third part, I, I think, is a decision. So he's in despair. He's made this prayer. He's praying to God. But there's something that takes place within him, and he makes this decision it's a decision, and he talks about three things here. One is trusting, one is rejoicing, and one is singing. He makes a decision to turn in that direction. You and I, we have a free will, right? God doesn't force us to do anything. But when we turn to Him and we put our trust in Him, we rejoice, we sing. It's a decision, I believe, that, that uh, David had made. 
Now, he's turned this corner, but have the circumstances changed? Not within the writing of this psalm, anyways. Not during this time he's writing these words. The circumstances have not changed. So again, what's changed? David's changed in, the, in his outlook and where he's looking. See, usually when we're in despair and, and, and all the stuff that's going on in these first verses, we're looking usually at ourselves and deep within ourselves, and it's ugly, right? And it, and it, can, be, it can be downright depressing. You want to get depressed, just go look at your navel for like an hour or two. <laughs> Not literally, you know what I'm saying. That means to look inside. Go try doing that for an hour or two, and you want to get depressed. But that's kind of what happens. But he changes his focus from looking at those things. And that doesn't mean, and I'm not minimizing those things. I'm not saying those things aren't real, that those things are not happening. But he, but he changes his focus to look to the Lord, to Yahweh, you see. And that, that's a critical thing. That's a decision that we make. Well, I, I know these things are true, but I'm going to look in a different direction. The first thing he says is, is, I trust. I trust. Notice he says, but. All that's true, but I trust. Trust. I think, I think one of the biggest messages, if not the most important message in the Bible the whole Bible is God saying to you and me, will you trust me? Will you just trust me? Faith is trust. Trust is faith. They're, they, you know, they're the same thing. Will you trust me? I know it doesn't look good. I know things are bad. I know you're having all this trouble. But will you trust me and not yourself? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. You know, many of you know this verse. Some of you have this for your life verse. I know. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and what? He will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's what He's calling us to do. Notice He says, trust in, in, in His unfailing love. There's nothing that's going to separate you or me from His love. It never fails. It's a matter of trust, knowing that he loves us, that he's, that he's going to work it out. So are we going to trust or are we going to just panic? The second thing the decision makes here is he says, my heart rejoices in your salvation. My heart rejoices in my depression, my sorrow, my trouble, my fear. No. No. My heart rejoices in your salvation, that God has saved us, that God has done something for us. He, and, and here in the New Testament, we know that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save us. So that's where the joy is going to be. The joy is not going to be in the world around us. We went to Angelina's house, our daughter, and a uh, number of months back, and she has little sticky notes like all over her place. Like everywhere you look, there's some sticky note up on the wall. You know, anybody else? Anybody else do that? A couple of you, at least one. Yeah. Thank you for being honest. The rest of these people, I'm not so sure about. So, but she had this one. I saw it on her fridge, and it said, "I choose joy." Now, does she get depressed? 
Does she ever have struggles in, in the trials that, that we talk about here, that David talks about here? She says, I choose joy. It's a choice that we make to turn to him and what he's done and to choose to find the joy in him. It's, it's our only hope, people. We think if I just get a new job, if I just retire, he laughed. If I just get a new car, I'm going to be so joyful. And then you get that car and it breaks down and you got to go spend 1500 bucks to get the little widget changed. My heart rejoices in your salvation, not the circumstances, but in Him, in His salvation. Back in the book of Isaiah, it says this, In that day they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in Him, and He saved us. This is Yahweh. This is the Lord. We trusted in Him. Let us rejoice and be glad in His salvation. We trusted in Him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. I choose joy. I choose joy. The happiness is going to come from him. That little prophet uh, Habakkuk, he, he has you know, a situation that came up and, and uh, it, it, you know, he spells it out pretty well. But listen, I'll read it to you. He says this in Habakkuk chapter 3. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Does it get any worse than that? For a person living at that time, that was like life. That was everything right there. All those things. He said, though it's all like that, he said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And I will be joyful in God, my Savior. It's a choice. Yet, but, David says. And lastly, in verse 6, he says, I will sing. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. I trust, I rejoice, and I will sing. It's a decision I'm going to sing. You know, we talk about this, and I, and I don't like beating people up. Unless they're smaller than me. You watch, you know, Walker, Texas Ranger. He's always beating somebody up, you know. Uh, like, can someone give me lessons? <laughs> ha! Anyways, I don't like beating people up, but I want to tell you, there's something about singing that you need to understand. It's a choice. Why do you sing? Oh, I don't want somebody to hear me. They might laugh. Or maybe you're on the other side. Well, I want, I'm going to sing because I want everybody to hear me. You know? It's a choice, though. He says, I will sing to the Lord. Why? Because he's been good to me. We, we have no trouble singing all those Beatles songs and, and the songs that are playing in the elevator and... And, you know, we're singing in our car and all this stuff. What about singing to the Lord? He said, I'm, this, is, this is, and David is the singer of songs. David is the singer of Israel, right? 
And he's given us so many of these songs that we can sing. But it's a choice. It's a decision. I will sing to the Lord. Despite how bad it looks, you know, there's something that happens when you sing. And when you don't have got no music in your life, yeah, I, I can see where depression is, but, but when you get some music in your life and you sing along and, you, and some of these words get in you, especially the words that are from Scripture, something happens. Someone said this, from howling to singing. The howling song. From howling to singing. There's a, that's a big change. Someone else said that he's singing before the answer ever comes. I, by the way, I, I was just thinking about WBRU. Y'all know WBRU, and uh, you know it was the it was the it was the big rock station for Rhode Island, right? I didn't have it tuned in, but some of you, some of you, be honest, you had that tuned into your buttons there on your radio in your car. Uh, BRU, let's go, whoo! And uh, for those of you who haven't read the news or heard the news, that Caleb has bought the station. And now, and now uh, the signal is so strong, you can get it like all over the place. And it's incredible. And, and, uh, but the thing is that they're honoring God and the, some of the music, you know, I don't know what kind of music you like, but they play quite a, quite a different variety. But, but to get something in your heart and in your life and, that you can sing along with that is going to uh, lift you up rather than tear you down, and uh, I heard other people on the radio, like other radio stations, like making fun of it. And just like, they're all upset about it. How could, how could Brown University sell the rock station to a Christian group? Well, let me remind you of something that Brown University is very secular and atheistic now. But when they started out, it was not that way. So maybe it's just like poetic, poetic justice. They, they built up this huge station, and now it's, now it's going to be used to honor the Lord. So what's the point? The point is sing. Just sing, will you? Like it's not going to hurt you. It might hurt the person next to you. <laughs> sing in the shower, sing in the car, sing. Let me tell you, I'm trying to tell you this is, there's something powerful about it. There's something powerful about trust, obviously, trusting in Him. There's power, power in turning to Him for joy, choosing joy, to rejoice in what He's done. And there's also something powerful about singing. It's powerful. So we're going to sing here in just a second. And I'm not going to stare at you to see what you are, but, but if I happen to look up, just mouth the words. Even though it's a new song, just make me feel better. And I'll trick you into singing after all. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for David and how honest and open he was to tell us about his struggles, about his fears. He was afraid that you had forgotten him. He was afraid that you would never answer him. But yet he showed us that the way is through prayer. 
and that he found hope and help through prayer and turning to you and, and, and putting his eyes upon you. And that's what we need to do to trust you, to rejoice in you, to sing, because you've been so good. When we are consumed by all the things that don't seem to be going right, and we remember the things that you've already done in the past, for 41 years you have provided for me, taken care of me, helped me along this path. Oh, God, it's worth singing. You've been good. You have been so good. When I have not been good, you've been good. And you've helped me along this path to be who you want me to be. I know that's true for each and every person here. Maybe, maybe some here have not even started that walk, that journey, that path, but you can right here and right now by calling out. Maybe you're still stuck in verses 1 and 2 where you can pray and say, God, hear me. I cry out to you and I, I ask you, Jesus, to be my Savior, to be my Lord right here today. And I mean it. I'm crying out to you from my heart. But Lord, we come, we trust you. We make that decision to trust, to rejoice. And even to sing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and, and sing. Let's stand and try to sing.